Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Right, guys, we need to work harder at getting the podcast below the bar and on target this week. Capiche? Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me, your weekly dose of cobblers chat in podcast form. I'm your host, Charles. Now, last week was a bit of a roller coaster. What with an unexpected win at Swindon and then the limp defeat to Colchester on Saturday. Don't worry, we'll get to that. Besides the results, this week we learned that Samo should probably still be the cobblers manager. The team speak to each other in the dressing room after a game. Who knew? And Charlie Good's surname is actually pronounced Good, Neil. Uh, no, no, I'm not having that. I will tell him how to pronounce his name, and he is wrong. Um, how do you spell good, Charles? G double O D. Right, exactly. He's got an E on the end. It's good. I don't care what he says. I know his name better than he does. It's Charlie Good. But when the the '90s song Ebenezer Good, good, I knew he did it then. Ebenezer Good. That's that's got an E on the end as well, Neil. Uh, how'd you, yes. How'd you explain that one. Well, I'll explain that one like this, Danny. Any person involved in any sort of musical group or band is on drugs. (laughs) Considering the song's content, that's probably true. (laughs) Part of the Acid House movement, I believe. (laughs) I think we we might all need some by the end of the podcast as well. Well, you've heard both Neil ranting, as always, and Danny there. Welcome, gents. Um, We've also got Chessie here this week. Chessie, anything to add with regards to Charlie Good's? Surname. I love the fact that he actually said, Well, I don't really know on the radio the other night. I was like, Well, nor do we. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll decide for him and we'll get him on the podcast and I'll decide for him. It's good. There we go then. It's all done. Right then. Uh, so Saturday, uh, we're going to talk oh. about Saturday, aren't we? Mm. Sorry, guys. Um, Colchester away. Um, well, that didn't quite go to plan, did it, Danny? No, it was rubbish. I wasn't there, but it sounded rubbish. <laughs> the end. And, um, the end, yeah, it did. It, was, it just sounded awful again. Um, I don't know if you want me to expand on this yet, but my initial thoughts are it was rubbish. It was boring. I'm, I've had enough of curl, and I'm pretty much in the curl out camp. Um, unless Always Charles gone early. Me. I've gone early. I've gone, I've gone earlier than I usually do, because I'm usually quite patient with managers. Um, but I just don't see, even after the Swindon win, I, don't, I just don't see where it's going. Um, I can't see any sign of progress he's still blaming the players he still doesn't kind of take it on board himself he's still being stubborn he's still playing one-dimensional he's still playing not he's completely bypassing players that need the ball he's still playing Hoskins he's well he <laughs> hang on a minute you're he's, his biggest fan no no I've, I've I'm gone I'm gone he's he's already given someone else the title of biggest fan today so I'm out of that um it was a seven-year-old <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what I'm going to give it to him. And I'm, I'm just lost the love for Hoskins now. Oh, good. Um, blimey. Well, oh, good. 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 That's a big <laughs> yeah. statement. Um, it is. And um, I've just said enough. I've had enough of everything, Charles. Um, and I just, like I said, I don't, think, I don't see it changing. And that's why I think I'm starting to go into the... If I'm not already pitched my tent in the camp, I'm pretty much on the way to the campsite. Do you know that that's... I can't help. Quim- that's some quite strong words from Danny Brothers there. I, I was expecting Neil to uh, say that, but maybe not Danny quite yet. Um, Jesse, yeah, come on, bring bring some positivity back, oh, please. You're looking at me for positivity and blimey. Um, to be honest, <laughs> I know I, I've hit the deck. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm kind of kind of the same as 
um, Danny. I'm pretty patient when it comes to managers and I was pretty adamant when Keith Curl came in that we really needed to stick with him regardless of how it went at the beginning of this season and, and we needed to give him time, we needed to be patient but it is just so alarming the rate of which we seem to be declining and I also do think in a really weird way, this is going to sound really backwards but I do think that that Swindon win might have done us more damage in the long run than it has than it than it would have done if we'd have lost it because now we're in a situation where we've got one win under our belt and actually I think Danny said it last week paper and over a lot of cracks we have got some really serious problems in that squad and for players already in what week three four of the season to come out and say well players are bypassing the midfield I mean Chris Lyons has come out and said well what can I do because they're bypassing the midfield yeah. this is week four like that's that's appalling that we've got a player of that standard that's saying I can't play because because they're not playing around me. It's awful. I'm I'm going to say it and I'm going to allow Neil to rip me a new one here, but <laughs> haven't we ready <laughs> popcorn at the ready. Haven't we got to give this brand new squad no. time to gel? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that time to uh, luxury hair gel? <laughs> you won't be happy with that. To, to be fair, they all use it. We all know that they do. <laughs> Apart from Alan McCormack, he's the only one that doesn't need it. <laughs> time to gel, you said. I did. Well, I'm asking the question. The question's wrong. And the answer. Oh, the question's wrong. Right. It's all, okay. it's all wrong. I'm going. See you later. <laughs> it's all wrong, Charles. And you Neil, know while it. he's away, bring back Neil's postbag. Yes, please. yes. Postman Neil. Postman Neil. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's all wrong. Also, with the greatest respect to these footballers, they're footballers, so they shouldn't have need. Debatable. They shouldn't. They shouldn't <laughs> need on. time to gel. That's their job. You know, what's pre-season for? Exactly. Like we've we spent here. half of pre-season playing bloody Robbie Simpson instead. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about him. It's, it's that thing, though, isn't it? Where uh, now, who was it that I heard earlier this week? I think actually, no, I. I know where where it was. I heard it. I was listening to Gary Lineker and Danny Baker's podcast um, behind closed doors. I think it's called. Um, where basically, and basically, Gary Lineker was saying, talking about friendlies and how for him it it was always just about fitness. There was never any kind of tactical thing, or he never basically said he, he was never trying um, to do anything good. And he used to go on the pitch and he said something like along the lines of you always had two bruising centre-backs that he'd be up against and before they kicked off he'd talk to them and just say to them look lads if, if you don't lump the crap out of me and try and kick me to death on this field I'll let you look good I, I will let you win headers and all this that and the other and I just the question that I've got Neil is pre-season games they, they don't matter and they don't the players don't really care about them for anything other than getting themselves up to match fitness are we still still in pre-season then? Or? No, they don't matter. But if you're building a new team, then you can't, which he has done in theory, although actually I'd argue that now because he's, he's bombed out the players he signed and he's bringing the likes of Billy Waters on to try and save him and stuff. But surely if you're building a new team, then pre-season is the time for them to gel as a team. And I don't, I don't buy into this, this gel rubbish because they're footballers at the end of the day and, and everything that's coming out of the players' mouths after the games or Keith Curl's mouth after the games is utter rubbish. Like, what did Chris Lyons... And I like Chris Lyons, by the way. I know I've hammered him before on this podcast, but I actually think he is a good footballer and he's got a football brain and he, he can play the game. But what did he say the other day after the Colchester game? He said, oh, well, one of their wingers did a couple of stepovers, so maybe we need to try and do a stepover or two. I mean, what? what? That's ridiculous. The thing is, he, he was just really frustrated, wasn't he, at the end? And you could tell by his demeanour looking at that video that he's just so annoyed at the start of the season he's had and he's coming to a new club dropped down a division and we, the game's just bypassing him and I think Chessie said last week about the Swindon game that he he when he took control he actually did take control of the game and it's I don't know it feels like Carl's just brought loads of is building this house and he's I'm, I'm turning into Carl now but he's building this house and he's, he's put it all together he's put the bricks up and decided to sleep outside he, I just think he's he's off his head Keith Curl at the minute, I think, and 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 that quote he said, what was the quote? You know, we need to get the we need to get the ball under the <laughs> we crossbar. Need to put the ball under, under the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. 
Great idea. Gave us some content. Thanks. But it is ridiculous, isn't it? And the problem I have with, with the whole situation at the moment is I can't see a way out, which is worrying. And, and what I mean by that is I think a lot of people have questioned, even even in pre-season, and I know pre-season doesn't really count for anything, but everyone was questioning where are the goals going to come from and where are the chances going to come from. And it's it's just turgid football, isn't it? It's just... There's nothing really there, and it's it's kind of mm. like, well, who have you got to bring on to mm. to, to kind of <clears throat> bring something different to the to the party? You haven't really got anyone. And it's a, it's just a to me, it's like it's that whole thing of just not. Um, what was I going to say? I've lost my train of thought again. Um, <laughs> it's gone to Scotland with Junior Mariah. Um, um, oh, good. Anyway, carry on. Good evening, Welcome back, Danny. Welcome. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost it all on my, my first rant it just got me too much it just went off <laughs> well what you said before about uh, well Neil you said about what's he got to bring on and Danny you mentioned the fact that he's bringing Billy Waters on a player that didn't really feature at he's all he's quite readily season. admitted he wants rid of right yeah basically he's on the transfer list he has been since the end of last season the same as Joe Bunny um, but he's been he's played Joe Bunny in the Two previous games now, Swindon and Colchester. He's both, you know, Nothing started. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I don't mind Joe. But um, and then he's, oh yeah, um, and then you've also, and then he's bringing on Billy Waters, you know, in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the match to try and salvage something out of the game, which is exactly what he did to Junior Marias at both Port Vale and 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 uh, did he come on against Walsall? I can't remember actually. Macclesfield. Macclesfield. He came on against Macclesfield when we had about six players up front. Yeah, he? and so that's two games that. Junior came on towards the back end of it and then he disappeared to Scotland. Maybe same thing's going to happen on Saturday against Plymouth and then Billy will find himself playing for Queen of the South. Good side. (laughs) I just think there's nothing there. And and, and my problem is, look, we've scored, what have we scored this season so far? Four goals? Yeah. But it's his it's his whole reaction to it, isn't it? It's the whole like after the game, he's not recognising anything in himself that's that's maybe going to change. I was watching the EFL highlights the other day, and I think it was Nathan Jones, the Stoke manager, who just came out and said, "Look, it was me. Like my ideas haven't worked yet, or my you know, my ways and methods haven't actually translated yet." Because his bottom of the league was Stoke, I think, and and he's actually pulling it on himself to say, actually what I'm doing isn't working. Whereas Carl's just constantly saying, it's the players not doing this, it's the players not doing that. And partly it is, but it's also about, are the players actually getting the chance to do that with the way that he's playing? And I think the the style and the way he's playing is so, it's like you said, Neil, it's turgid, it's boring. And I'm, I'm bored with the season already. It's only like a month in. The thing is, with Carl, I think because of the way he is, in terms of the way he speaks to to the media, which is, you know, his he's entitled to speak to the media in whichever way he he feels necessary but uh, as a fan as someone who you know goes and pays to watch the cobblers I'm finding it quite hard at the moment to feel that I'm able to trust him with our club going forward because when he comes out and speaks he doesn't seem to really have any direction with what he's trying to say so last week he said well we stopped playing to Nicky Adams so our game plan fell apart. And then this week he said we were too reliant on Nicky Adams. Well, which one is it? And I think because we're so unclear with what he wants and what he's saying, we're panicking as well because we don't know what's going to happen. We're, we're so uneasy about what the next few months have ahead, whether he'll be in charge, what he's going to do, how he's going to solve these things, that it feels really unrealistic to be a Cobblers fan at the moment. Mm. I think as well, I've got a season ticket this year and I can't go next Saturday. And my first thought isn't, oh my, good, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to go. What am I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit upset by that. But at the moment, it's like, I don't actually care that much that I can't go. And that really makes me annoyed. It makes me upset about the fact that me feeling about not going to the match isn't making me feel upset, if that makes sense. No, you're absolutely right, Danny. That, that, that's how I feel at the moment. And and it actually on Saturday I was up in Sheffield at a family event so I couldn't make Colchester thank god um but even then usually like in the past seasons I'd be I'd have been glued to my phone like constantly and I'd have been listening to the commentary and stuff and and while I was I was checking the score you know every every so often and stuff I wasn't as 
I kind of expected, I think, expected us to lose. And it, it's difficult to muster up any sort of enthusiasm at the moment, which is it's a horrible feeling, isn't it? And it's mm. it's almost like we need something to grab onto or we need a player to, to excite us or we need something that you, you're looking forward to going and watching. But we just know it's going to be the same approach and the same thing. There's a lack of cre- creativity. There's a lack of... like. If we, like I think during this whole season so far, have we had a period of sustained pressure where we've been we've been properly attacking and, and properly going at teams? I don't think we have. No. And the game plan's just that we go for the first 15, 20 minutes and then when plan A doesn't work, it's gone. And we, there's nothing. Like Samo was right, wasn't he? After the game, it's like there isn't anything else after plan A. There's nothing not. Else. But I don't even think we've got. We don't. We've not even got plan A. I don't think. Yeah. And I think that's that's the the ultimate problem. I don't think, Danny, there is even a plan A, because they don't seem to know what they're doing and what others around them on the pitch are doing. Mm. Could could we argue uh, to play devil's advocate, which is not really in my usual way of thinking but could we argue that he's been a Keith Curl has been a bit unlucky with injuries no no it's still the style isn't it it is yeah to no me, I, I, I agree I, I don't think we can but I know that has been leveled a little bit that injuries are building up you know he's missing Alan McCormack which is no surprise yeah he's I think he's I think he's gone big on Alan McCormack and his backfired I think he's he was a key cog to his plan and I think it's really backfired yeah, but come on, you, you, surely he knew that McCormack was not going to be available all season. He didn't play all the games for Luton last year, and that was down to injury. Why Why did he think that he'd be any less injury-prone, if you like? And I'm not saying that he's actually going to pick up an injury every single time he plays, but you know, he's he's at the back end, the tail end of his career. He's going to find injuries coming easier than he did when he was a youngster. That's that's just a fact of life as a footballer. You get older, you, you pick up more niggles. And surely Keith Kell must know that. Well, you'd, you'd think he would know that. He, he... What he should also know as well um, is that if you are going to build a squad of, say, what, 24 players, um, 18 make the team as, as such as, you know, 11 players and however many on the bench or whatever it is, those players should all be fit and reliable enough to play a first team match, whether they start, whether they come on the sub. There should be no difference in their ability and the way he trusts them to play. If you can't play Alan McCormack in your starting eleven because he's injured, there should be a replacement that is as good as him because mm. that is the fundamental of building a football team. When we had the Wilder era and we won all those games, we had a bench full of people that had the exact same qualities and the exact same um, ability as the 11 that were on the pitch. Surely that is what you should be doing if you are a football manager. You are building a team that has the ability to function with each different player. So if one gets injured in the warm-up, you've got someone coming in that knows exactly what they're doing and the style of play. It's mismatched. We've got a starting eleven who don't really know what they're doing anyway. We've also got a bench that is completely mismatched to what we've got on the pitch. I think his biggest problem is, he, he, and we've said this before, but he hasn't ever addressed the uh, the attacking side of things. He, he may feel like he tried to, and he, he but so far, and it is early days, so you can't write off the likes of Harry Smith and Matty Warburton and stuff. It's early days, and hopefully they come good. But at the moment, he hasn't addressed the, 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 the creativity and the goals in the team. And that's been lacking for 18 months, if not more, hasn't it? And uh, Three years. Three years, probably. Yeah, you're right. Three years. And and I, I just think it's ridiculous. Like, I, How have we not signed another creative attacking player? How have we not signed, a, I mean, a, another striker? And... Football is part of part of going to football. You've got to score goals to win games, and you've got to you've got to be exciting to entice fans through through the gate. And the, you know the the attendance against Macclesfield was low, wasn't it? it? It was a low attendance and one of the lowest we've had for a while. And there's an argument, isn't there, that you know, look, it's August, so it's it's Christmas holiday, Christmas holidays, so summer holidays, and that sort of stuff. And it's only Macclesfield; they didn't bring many away and stuff. But it, I just think that there needs to be some sort, some form of a intent from the team where they're mm. they're taking the game to the opposition and stuff. Look, it's League Two; we're not we're not up against Man City or Liverpool here. 
Um, and yes, there's going to be some teams that are, are better than us. Of course, there are in this league. Uh, and uh, you know, Bradford looks strong this year, and Plymouth looks strong. I don't know. If we're going to come on to that, but we should be going at teams, and we should be confident and taking teams on and, and setting ourselves up to go and win a game. But I don't feel that's what we're doing. I'm Alan Neil, and it's all cobblers to me. So that's obviously what we think. Um, but on Saturday night after the game, I had a little chat with Colchester United's podcast via Twitter um, because they rated their, they did a player ratings. Um, it's not something that we do. Um, we leave that to people like the, the is it the Nenquirer? They do player ratings. James Hennigan. Game and asking you for. James Hennigan, of course, <laughs> does it for the Cron. The, um, the Nenquirer does uh fan uh, that's it ratings, yeah right? that, that's what i mean and this is what the coaches united podcast to fan owned ratings isn't it so so we we don't well we don't do that but that that's fine um, but the coaches united podcast did and i just sort of thought right i'll just i'll just retweet that out so that our fan base can see what colchester's um fans thought of their own team's performance um and then i ended up having a chat about what he thought that you know our players had did that our team had actually done. It's quite surprising the difference. And because this is a fan and it's not just, you know, a media commentator or, or an analyst or anything like that. This is somebody just like us. Um the 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 actual thoughts that that this guy Joshua had was that um he actually well he, he would have given Di Cornell an eight out of ten. Um he was superb, that's a quote. Um and to be fair on the radio it did sound like Di had a had a really decent game. He made a few cracking saves. Um he was then said that he was overall his man of the match on a par with Luke Norris, which is obviously their striker um and ex Cobbler's Loney. Um having pulled off an excellent save in the first half, then again made another one in the second um, from Luke Gambin. Um, but this is the interesting thing. Joshua said that if he was to take one player from the Cobblers team to put into his Colchester United team, it would be Verdane Oliver. Verdane! <laughs> now, considering, and I actually said this to him, considering we all said during pre-season when we signed him, <laughs> that he was definitely going to be the least impressive of the but summer signings that, that we made. That is... Well, that's it, Neil, isn't it? I mean, you look at it and you just think, well, if he's actually coming out on top against the likes of Nicky Adams... I mean, Nicky yeah, Adams but is the benchmark isn't he? He's looked okay, but he's still... He's, he's not very good, is what I'm trying to say. And... This is what the worrying thing is, is that Vidane Oliver's been our best player. One of the best players so far. <laughs> and that's really concerning. But the thing the thing for me, though, is that maybe you've got to give him some credit. Maybe we've got to actually put our pretenses, you know, to one side and just go, actually, just just let's just see what these, these players are actually like for us playing in a claret and white shirt. You know, because we we can say it for for both ends of the spectrum. We can say we don't think the Dane Oliver is going to be good enough for us, and we can then be surprised, and we can say things like you've just done there, Danny, which is well, that just shows you that if we're saying that he's the best player that we've got so far, then we should be seriously worried. You could say it as well. Well, we all expect Nicky Adams when he signed to be the best player in our team, but look at him. He's not, has he? But he's, but he's another one that's, that's not been played to his strengths, has he? He's, he's been expect to go, expected to go up and down the, the wing, whereas at this point in his career, it's probably more handy just to stick him up up top as a out and out winger. It's it's all shit, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Like, I, I know we shouldn't swear on the podcast, Charles, and I apologise to those people listening. I think sometimes I forget that people actually listen to this. But um, hi, Niels, man. It is. Hi, Mum. Yeah, it, it is all crap, isn't it, at the minute? And give us something. Like, I'm just so frustrated by it. Like, we're crap. We are crap. I think the thing is as well, the thing is with that, uh, Neil, to a certain extent, is right. The thing is, you're talking about how, you know, we've got to judge players on what they're doing and what they're doing at our club. But the problem we've got is that they are all consistently, I would say, apart from David Cornell, underperforming massively so we've got this this situation where are they though i well i think they are because they they sh- well 
I think they are on the basis that they should be better than they are. And if we're signing players that are only this good, then again, that's another alarm bell. But they should be better. And because they're not, we're in a situation where we are unable to judge it. And therefore, we've got no clear analysis of what on earth we're going to do this season. The question I've got then is, should should we be signing play signing players that are better than what we are, or is actually this this what we're we're lumped with at the moment? Is it a case that these are the only players that we could attract to the football club at this moment, whether it be because financial reasons or you know the it's the manager or or whatever it is? If these are the only kinds of players that we can attract, then maybe we need to be more realistic with our expectations as fans. There's realistic and then there's, we, we have an expectation though, don't we? My expectation of my football club is not to p- consistently perform to the point where we are boring and frustrating our fans and we should not be in a relegation battle because frankly, they have spent too much money to be, to be in that position and we have too much financial gain, in my opinion, and from what we see that goes on at the club. We have too much financial support behind us to be a club that sits at the bottom of the league. And if we are then being made to have the expectation that that is where we should be, then we are not spending wisely. Okay, well, where where, where do you get that, that from though, Chelsea? Because at the end of the day, you know, the last balance sheet showed that we were something like, was it 5 million in, in debt? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, to say that we we have spent a lot of money, we we've we've spent money on what three three players in the transfer window that we spent you know money on transfer fees, and because they're undisclosed, you don't know how much that money actually is. We've let go as many players as we have signed, and it's common knowledge that the players that we let go, so people like Ash Taylor, no, okay, <laughs> thanks, Danny. Cheers, got there in the I end. Think- I think that's where the problem does lie, though, Charles. I think you're 100% right when you say um, about the way we spend. I think our massive problem and the reason we have so many problems this year is because of our our overspending and our wage bill over the last few years because our wage bill hasn't met the standard of football that we expected. So we had like Van Veen. Um, Ash Taylor, Matt Crooks, who else was on a really high wage bill? So there was lots of players on really high wages Ashley that Corker. weren't weren't really <laughs> <laughs> weren't really performing. So it it is it is difficult. But then you've got a lot of teams that are, have got a lot lower in from the outside in. It's very difficult, but from the outside in, there's teams in this league, I believe, that have a lot lower budgets. And seem to be surviving better than us, and it. And it's, yeah, it's, I, I completely understand where, where you're coming from, Jesse. I mean, the, the thing for me though is that yes, we've had that overspending. One, one thing that really annoyed me at the weekend actually was that an, another team turned around and said, and I think it was Colchester's manager turned around and said that Northampton are a big team in this division. Oh, personally, I'm sick of hearing that because I don't think we so are. Am I. I really don't think we are a big big team in this division especially when you've got the likes of Plymouth and Bradford in it they're big teams undeniably big teams and to then say that we're a big team as well I'm I'm not being funny but we're no bigger than Leighton Orient and they've been down in the conference for the last couple of years we're no bigger than I I don't know who else is there in this team in this uh, in this division Colchester, Colchester themselves probably I'd say no. I, I dis. I well, do. I disagree or do I agree? We're no bigger than Cambridge. Uh, There's another one, and they're just down the road from us. I, I think we are bigger than Cambridge. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I think we have. I think the thing with us is we have the potential. We have untapped potential, which has been untapped for years and years and years. I think there there is scope there for us to become a big team. But I kind of get what you're saying, Charles. We're a, we're a bog standard League Two team, is what we are. And um, there's no hiding from that, right? I think you're only as big as how you run and how you manage as well, don't you? Like you get all these, yeah. you get all these teams in the championship who say like Leeds and whatever, and they say, "Oh, we we should be in the Premier League. We are a Premier League team." And no, you're not. The way you've been managed, the way you've been run for the last few years, you're not. So you're down there for a reason. You're, we're down where we are for a reason. And I think our stock's fallen a lot over the last few years. And I think it's not a attractive club to come to anymore. Whereas I think 
about five six years ago it might have been and i don't think people now look at it coming into coming into the summer and you've got a choice of going to us or going to plymouth or bradford or whatever and you're not going to pick us you're, you're not you? going to pick us because you come and take a look around and it's all about how the manager sells the club to you isn't it and and I, I don't i feel like we've we've lost probably a few signings over the summer but doesn't that come from the top? Yeah. As in, yeah, uh, and I think that comes from the owners and, and they've always been very, very clear in playing us down a little bit as a club. And and that's part of the problem. There's, there's no... There's nothing to sell them on at the moment though, is there? But there's nothing at all. Well, we've, no. got, we've got this mindset or we've had this mindset in the last couple of seasons, not necessarily this season, but, it, you know... Wasn't it Aaron Pierre and Ash Taylor came out last season when we were doing really badly saying, well, we're going to win the league. Well, we've had this mindset, haven't we, for, you know, since since we came down from League One last time, we've had this mindset that we're this really big team that we're going to go straight back up. But, but your performances and your um, style of play has to support that. We're not support. We're not supporting this opinion and this mindset. We're sold this mindset by the club. We're being sold this mindset that this club's going places, places. This this team are on a journey that they're going to produce this brilliant, you know, clubs going nowhere. Run exactly. That's that's what we're seeing as fans right now. But we're not being sold that. We're it's, being sold. This club is going nowhere. I, I, I'm I used to be against fan ownership and all that sort of stuff. But I tell you what, I'm all for it at the minute. Blimey, that has. This club changed change positions goes. very, very, very fast <laughs> yeah. from, from one end of the spectrum has, though, to the other deal. Yeah, I know I have. I have. I absolutely have. And I'll probably go to the other one in a few weeks when we've won a few games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> standard, <laughs> standard football fan, right? Um, but th- this club is going nowhere. And yes, there's some positive stuff about the club in terms of, you know, the community stuff they do and the stuff they do for kids and stuff and all that sort of stuff, which is great. And yeah, we got an award and all that sort of stuff. But I think quite a lot of clubs got that award. But actually, this club's going nowhere. Let's be honest. There's, there's no there's no plan. There's no... And I know people argue, well, if you put a plan in place and you don't keep to that plan, then you get argued against and you get abuse again. You get an abuse anyway. So um, th- there's nothing There's nothing to look forward to. As a, as a Northampton Town fan at the moment, there's nothing to look forward to at all. With performances on the pitch, they're not helping. There's off-the-field matters. There's nothing there at all at the moment. The You go to the... Like you said, Danny, you, you don't really look forward to going at the moment. We, we're going because we're supporters of the football club and we always will be and we love the club despite hating them at the same time at the moment, if that makes sense. And mm. There's just nothing there at the minute. And it, and it's so frustrating. Mm. I think I want to, what, what I wanted to see is honesty from the club. I want to, I want them to be in an honest position to say, look, before the summer, look, this is going to be a really struggle of a summer. This is happening financially. This is happening. Like these players need to go before anything can happen. It's going to be a struggle, but stick with us. Don't, don't say, you know, we're going to be buying all these players. We're going to be signing this, that and the other, when we're aiming for top seven, don't, that you can still sell the club without having to say, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get, win the league. We're gonna be top seven. There's a way of of selling the club to the community by, by actually saying, "Look, come along with us on this journey. Come along with us and support us, because you should be able to see what we're trying to do." And at the minute, there's there's a complete loss of that. I think we're we're very disillusioned, aren't we, as fans at the moment? Mm. And I don't I don't think in my this is going to sound bizarre as well because I've been supporting the Cobblers for a long time. But in my lifetime as a Cobblers fan, I can't remember being this disillusioned. I mean, we've been through some awful stuff. Welcome to the podcast, Jesse. <laughs> but um, I feel so disillusioned by by what we're trying to do at the moment because it doesn't seem to be any what, what are we trying to do, exactly? Yeah, and also, as well, we had that massive high with, you know, going up to League One and we were told that, you know, this was what we were going to do. We were going to go to the Championship. We were going to really kick this club was going to kick on and we've just dropped like an absolute dead balloon and I know we have this um, cycle where we have kind of a few years in league two we go up and then we get relegated the following season we know we have that cycle but this seems a little bit more toxic and a little bit more worrying in the way the manner that it's happening Mm -hmm. and we're just in the same place we were a year ago weren't we when we started the podcast of, um... There's not the, the the argument is as well. By the way, is 
to be representative, there's 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 a fair few fans that don't feel how we feel, and there's a fair few fans that are, are, are definitely of the feeling of we well, no no look, give Keith Kerr a bit more time. You know, it's early days; we shouldn't be panicking yet, and stuff, which I kind of is understandable, I guess. But I, I do feel there's a bit of an acceptance in some some elements of the fan base for accepting mediocrity and accepting where we are and, and I don't think we should accept that we, we should want and strive for the club and, and the team to be the best they possibly can be and at the moment then they're not they're crap I'm Chris Hargreaves and it's all cobblers to me I think it's probably time just to give a little bit of a, I don't know light-heartedness to this week's podcast because it does seem that you're all very down in the dumps um, you know I don't know why um, so let, let's go and have a look and see what you've been saying in this week's post back shall we Postman, Neil, Postman, Neil, Postman, Neil, his black and white cat. This week we were looking at your views on the Colchester defeat. Shane Webster kicked us off where he said he'd question the effort today. If the effort was there, the fitness wasn't. For me, the difference was Colchester wanted it more. What do we think to that? Uh, did you know though it, 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 this this effort thing? I mean, I, I, to be fair to Shane, that was in response to a tweet that I actually put out, which was sort of saying that I don't think that you can question effort. I think it's more a case that the footballers don't. Sorry, the footballers. I don't know what I'm saying there. I, I I don't think that the players, the tactics, or you know the way that the players are being asked to play actually allows them to put their effort in the right places. Does that make sense? So they're trying. It's just that they're not good enough playing in that way to win or to do the things. You know, And I think that's the thing. I think if you start accusing people of not having any effort, then actually it's just a slippery slope from there. If we start banding around and saying, right, well, you know, I don't know, pick a player, any player. Um, Andy Williams doesn't put any effort in, just wanders around the pitch at the top end of the pitch, doesn't try, doesn't, doesn't try to score, didn't get a shot on target, whatever it is, then what's he going to even be bothered about trying for next time if the fans aren't on his side? I, I don't think the players ever do go into a game and play that game with any lack of effort. So I think that's fair, but I think there is definitely something in the opposition wanting it more. And I, I think that comes from the manager, how the manager sets the team up and how he motivates them. And if they're not entirely sure, we, I think, Chessie, you said it last week, I think that they're not entirely sure what their jobs are or what they what they should be doing. If they're not entirely sure, then they probably can't give, they can still give 100% effort, but they can't give their best performance because they're not entirely sure where they're supposed to be or what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and I actually think Shane Shane is right to a, to an extent in in. We, we saw this against Walsall. I thought Walsall wanted it more than us. I thought Macclesfield wanted it more than us. Uh, Swindon, I think the first half was relatively even. We we maybe just edged it. But I think second half, they wanted it more than us until we got that lucky goal. Um, so I, I get what you're saying, but I, I don't think players go out to, to not try, if that makes sense. So I, I think you're right there. I think they give... They, they try their best and they do what their best, but it's how they're set up yeah. and how the manager sets them up and sends them out. I think that's the problem. It's the application of the effort that is wrong. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Aaron Watson on Twitter. Our only game plan is to get Adams to cross it. Can see why Curl hasn't achieved anything in his 13-year managerial career. It's things like that that are starting to creep in, isn't it? People are going to go back and start, you know, picking out things that, that are negative. Um, well, I mean, Keith Gale said he wanted to manage in the Premier League. I mean, come on. Sean Johnston, that was awful to watch. Hoskins is embarrassing and every single cross stroke corner is wasted. Bunny's corners are pathetic. No pace, just lump in, hanging crosses, race course football. All right, Neil, you're probably the only one that's played on the race course recently. I have, um, yeah, numerous times. Is, is that what race course football is? I was the team's designated corner taker. Um, <laughs> other, other parks are available. Get your boots on. Yeah, I'll get my boots on. Um, no, you don't want that. Our... You do not want that. There's something in this, I think, and, and it's an argument. So with, with the, the bunny corners, there's an argument for w- what Sean said is no pace, just lumping, hanging crosses. 
I think there is an argument that modern football has made it more stylish to to try and whip in a corner at pace and and invariably that leads to it not beating the first man a lot of the time which then you get the argument that the corner's not you're not being beaten the first man I, I think if you get it in the right area then whether it's just looped in or whipped in it, it shouldn't really matter and the area has got to be if you're if you're taking a corner it's, it's the between the penalty spot and the six yard box that's where you're aiming for right yes definitely Basics, yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. If they if they're not able to do those really elaborate things at this stage, just keep it simple. Do the basics of football. Unless you're Alan Nil. <laughs> Alan Nil. Well, he's a genius. Yeah. He can do whatever he likes. <laughs> Uh, we've got I follow NTFC on Twitter. It's a, a very simple message. Adams needs to be more consistent, uh, which is fair. Totally disagree with that. Oh, go on, Jesse. I really do. I really, really disagree with that. If Adams needs to be more consistent than everyone else around him needs to be as well, he is running up and down that pitch like headless chicken because nobody else seems to know what they are doing. And the only game plan that we've got at the moment, like I think it was Aaron said that in the post bag earlier, is to to get it to Adams to cross it in. Well, he's he's busting a gut and no one else is doing it around him. So. He can't be consistent. It is impossible to keep up that kind of effort consistently when you're the only one doing it on the pitch. Yeah, his problem is, isn't it, that he's got too much weight on his shoulders. Um, he, he uh, Nicky Adams is basically carrying the creativity of Northampton Town on his on his shoulders. Of course he is. And of course he is. That must come with so much pressure. And it, it's, to be fair to to. to so I follow NTFC. Adams Crossing hasn't been fantastic this season. Um, uh, do you remember some of his free kicks at, at Swindon weren't great? Um, but he must have so much pressure yeah, on him to create something. It's, he's, he's our only outlet. So. Are we, are we exactly. thinking, that, are we maybe almost getting history wrong? We're, we're putting all this pressure on Nicky Adams, but the actual star of that team when, when we went up in 2015-16 wasn't Nicky Adams. Yes, he was part of it and yes, he was good. But it was Ricky Holmes that was the main creative force. Are we kind of twisting history as fans to make it sound like Nicky's Nicky's the saviour because he was part of that team and he was an, a part of the front four in that side? Well, I think you're probably to a point, Charles. I think you're right, um, which is strange. I know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I, I, I don't think so. I think yes, but I think there's too much emphasis on it, and and there's too much weight on his shoulders and you can't rely on him to, to solve all our problems and he's on his own like who else is going to create stuff like Hoskins isn't going to create stuff is he bless him and uh, it's, it's the age-old problem we've had for the last few years isn't it but also as well I think if you look back at that 2016 season if you look at that squad as a group of players yes Ricky Holmes stood out yes Adam stood out for his pace but if you look at that squad and you really assess each of those players, none of them were absolutely outstanding. They just worked as a team because every single one of them was good and they got the best out of each other. And they knew their and jobs. Chris Wilder and Alan mm. Neil, yeah, Chris Wilder and Alan Neil got the best out of them. They were not all outstanding players. N- not, they weren't all outstanding. But what they did have was they were all good and they all knew exactly what they needed to do. Mm. And that's exactly it's the same with the, the other the other promoting team, the other promoted teams we've had, isn't it? Like '97, they weren't great players, were they? They're, no, they uh, weren't. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to take on three men and run around the goalkeeper and score. Do you mean Dean um, Pierre wasn't going to do that? Did <laughs> <laughs> you not see that came Dean? Pierre? No, are you forgetting um, Sean Parrish? Plymouth away, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that. Are you forgetting Sean right, Parrish at Cardiff? Sean, yeah. Parrish, Sean Parrish once in a while as the song. <laughs> 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 but it's the same. When you never look at any of our promoted teams, you, you you don't see that kind of star quality. You're not going to win League Two. Uh, you you need a team that's going to fight for each other. You need a team that's going to do the basics. You need the team that's going to just do what the manager asks for them and know exactly what you said, Neil. Do what do their jobs and do it all game consistently. Ryan Morgs says it's so predictable. We play with no intent, no variation, and Williams on his own up front isn't mobile enough. What do we think to that? I don't think 
Well, you can't say Williams isn't mobile enough. He runs around everywhere. I mean, did he watch... Uh, my question to Ryan, Ryan Morgs, if that is his indeed his real name, my question really? to Ryan Morgs is, did you watch the Swindon game? He obviously can't answer us right now. Um, but <laughs> let us know next week. Let us know. <laughs> and we'll have moved on from that. But I think it's unfair to say Williams isn't mobile enough, isn't it? Yeah, he's quite mobile. I think it's mobile enough. <clears throat> Everyone else isn't, but he is. That's mm. exactly the problem, isn't it, Danny? Nobody else around him is doing anything. So it's very difficult to judge that comment. I don't agree with it because I don't think um, that really justifies... Uh, or he can really justify it because Williams, I don't think, has played enough really for him to justify that this season. Or he hasn't done anything bad enough to to have that kind of criticism. But again, that's an opinion. Morgzy! First first three bits were right, I think. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I agree. I, I think he's absolutely bang on with it's predictable. Yes, tick. We play with no intent. Yes, tick. There's no variation. Yes, tick. Williams on his own at front isn't mobile enough. <clears throat> Cross. Like that. I enjoyed that noise now. Can you do it again? Yeah, I can. I'll do it again one more time. <clears throat> it reminds uh, me of um, Family Fortunes. Um, <laughs> we've got one more, which is from Gary. Long-time listener. Go on, Gary. Big fan of the pod, Gary, uh, who also is on the hotel end, I think. I believe he's on the hotel end as uh, less GPR or something like that, if you want to follow him. Um, he's not given as much to go with, Gary, but he says, so glad you stick up for the moaners. I think that was in reference to, um, well, last week we got criticised, didn't we, for being a bit too negative um, towards players, um, which... You know, we, we just say it how we see it, don't we? Um, also, you know, I, I put on Twitter the other day from from the podcast Twitter account saying, you know, we, we've got a right, as fans, we've got a right to moan. And and did you see Chris Wilder's um, post-match interview on Match of the Day uh, yeah. on, on Saturday? Yeah. And he said about effort being, well, shouldn't be clapped for effort. You know that that's that's a prerequisite. I mean, that's something that Keith Curl has said himself, isn't it? Um, you know, it's a prerequisite. They shouldn't be being clapped off the field just because they put in effort. That, that's exactly what they should do. And I basically was saying, you know, well, you know, he, he uh, Chris Wilder has basically come out and said exactly what we've said before, which is that, you know, as Cobblers fans, why why should we stand there and applaud the team for having tried to win a game of football but come out and lost? to Macclesfield or lost to Colchester or, you know, lost to Walsall. Um, lost to everyone, really, <laughs> apart from Swindon. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- that's it. And I, I, my point was essentially, you know, we should be allowed to moan um, and, and people shouldn't moan about people moaning. There's a difference as well between people who go with the intent of moaning and then people who are just... I, I mean, I wouldn't even bracket as moaners. It's just that we're really... Badly frustrated at the direction of where the club's going, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And also, as well, if we'd have started the season and we were unbeaten, or we'd won two games and drawn two games, or whatever, we'd be sitting here saying this is great. But the, the be all and end all of it is that it's rubbish. We're telling you it's rubbish because that's what we see. We ain't we ain't done anything this season apart from maybe the Swindon game. We haven't done anything or anywhere near enough to justify being positive at this point. So therefore, we will be negative because that's what we're, we we pay as football fans to go and watch a game of football. And therefore, we have a right to say, this is rubbish because it is. My, my view is that people that are happy with how we've performed this season are imbeciles. I'm Chris Freestone and it's all cobblers to me. So joining me now is Plymouth Argyle fan Adam Price. Uh, Adam's from Argyle Life. Welcome, Adam. How are you doing? Yeah, doing very well. Thank you very much. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd rather have the 3-0 win that you got on Saturday than our 1-0 defeat. Uh, but, you look, know, can't have everything. I mean, we'll take it while we can. Generally speaking, we're all really positive, which is something that, to be honest, we could not have seen coming considering the relegation of last year. You know, we've had basically a total turnaround. We've got, you know, a new majority owner in Simon Hallett. We've got a new manager in Ryan Lowe. We've got Plenty of new players from Barry. I think, has been well documented. And the start to the season has been good. You can begin to see Ryan Lowe's style that was so successful last season coming to the fore now. It's starting to look a little more fluid. 
and the results have held up. You know, we've had a relatively difficult start to the season when you look at our fixture list. We've got Walsall who came down with us. We've had Newport who got to the playoff final. We've had Salford that are spending all sorts of money. And yet here we are in second place. So yeah, things at Argyle are very positive at the moment. And of course, we hope from our side that we can keep that going for a few weeks yet. So I've got to ask you the obvious question, really, Adam, which is that you you should be expecting to be where you are. You've got pretty much the entire squad that finished second in League Two last season and their manager. How how do you actually feel about the fact that that a lot of League Two fans are basically just calling you Berry Mark Two at this moment in time? It's not a surprise, but at the same time, I think we're we're relatively comfortable with it in the sense that we generally have a little bit of affinity with Berry as it is. You know, we've know all too well what financial problems look like. We've been driven to the brink ourselves, and you know, a few people I've heard will say, you know, we've kind of taken advantage of the situation, and yeah, we have in a way, I suppose. But those players weren't, were never staying at Bury anyway. Those players were going to go somewhere through their financial situation, as horrific as that is for the Bury supporters, and we have every sympathy with them. Those players had to find a new home, and considering that they've you know been able to stay together, if you like, the manager, I mean, it's clearly a vote of confidence in the manager that five of his players have followed into home park. So I think, yeah, as you say, we should expect to be where we are although I've got to be honest I did think it would take a little while longer than it has for that style to to gel as it as it has done I think the five players coming down helped with that but we've got a few players that are expected to play this system such a technical system for the first time and you know Berry Mark too yeah I mean to be honest with you as fun as it is I'd be more than happy to have a, a season as successful as Berry did last time around and if we can work towards that, then yeah, people can happily call us what they like. We'll all take it in good taste, I'm sure. <laughs> well, on Saturday, you obviously you, you came out with a with a thumping three 0 win uh, over Walsall, a team that yeah. managed to beat us at our place on the first day of the season. Um, Ryan Taylor, am I right in saying that those were his first two goals in something like sixteen months for you? Yeah, yeah, they were, and I think a lot of that has well, I, I put that down to two reasons. First of all. Last season's style was perfectly suited to Taylor, but he barely played. I mean, we had Freddie Ladapo, who was, you know, utilised as the lone striker when, yes, he got his 19 goals, but Mm. his existence in that side kind of limited everybody else, whereas Taylor's was the sort of player who would bring others into the game, maybe not necessarily get the goals himself, but, I mean, players like Graham Carey, Ruben Lemiras, who got us all off the, on the edge of our seats, weren't, you know, able to pick up the pieces of what Taylor did. Coming into this season, and the second reason why Taylor hasn't you know, hit form until very recently is because I think he's a target man in a system that doesn't use target men. And when you're in that situation, he has had to do an awful lot of work to you know, adapt to the style of you know, what Ryan Lowe expects of a striker. And I think it's only now we're beginning to see that come to the fore. There are a couple of chances, like the first one he put away at the weekend that we had against Salford, where the ball would come across goal. And you'd expect a poacher in Ryan Lowe's system to be on the end to just tap it in. And Ryan Taylor wasn't there. And that's where you'd expect him to be. On Saturday, that was a little bit different. Our first goal was you know, quintessentially Ryan Lowe in the sense that Danny Mares played a ball in behind to one of the wingbacks. A low ball in, Ryan Taylor, the striker, then finish it off. And, you know, the more he can do that, the more confident I'd feel that you know, he's able to work in this system. Whether that works long term, as you've mentioned, you know, his goal scoring record has not been great. Whether that will work long term in a system where the striker's role is to simply score goals rather than hold at play, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, as you say, it was a great moment for him. We were all delighted for him and hopefully he can kick on. Anthony, I'm going to say this wrong completely, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Sarsovic, is it? Uh, That's he perfect. was, uh, well, That's he scored, didn't he? The perfect. second goal. Oh, is that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a minor miracle. Um, so he, he scored your second goal, I believe, but then also he then got sent off on the 85th yeah. minute. Um, is he yeah. likely to... Have you appealed that red card or uh, is he going to be suspended for Saturday? I think it's very, very likely that he'll be suspended. It was one of those where, you know, it's a situation where I personally didn't think it was a red card, but because it's a situation where you can see why the ref's given it, it's such a high bar to overturn. So I'd be very surprised, to be honest, if we did appeal. And I'd be even more surprised if we did appeal and, you know, we got that overturned. So I think he's likely to be suspended. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that would weaken us. I mean, 
we'll bring in Conor Grant more than likely, who's a very different player to Sarsovic, but I personally like you, is more suited to low system. So we're looking at a more creative player coming in rather than the more energetic Sarsovic who's going to make those late runs into the area. We're going to have a player who's good play the ball out wide, for instance, that play those through balls that can get players in. So, yeah, it was disappointing for Sars, I think, because, you know, we were scoring a goal after coming off the bench and getting sent off three minutes later was quite the cameo. But, um, yeah, it's one of those, really, where I, I can't see it being overturned. And I'd be very surprised if Conor Grant wasn't in, in that position for when we face you at the weekend. So, obviously, one of the teams that came down from League One last season, um, probably one of the bigger clubs in League Two uh, this year. Um, a lot of Plymouth fans on social media are expecting you guys to bounce straight back up. Um, no wonder, what with your, the manager that you've got and some of the, the quality in the squad as well. What are your actual thoughts? Do you, do you personally believe that that's what, not only that you're, you should be aiming for, but also what you're going to achieve this season? Yeah. It's certainly, as you say, what we should be aiming for. I mean, what I've loved about this preseason is that generally when you get teams that go down, you get the consolidation element, oh, we need to rebuild for a year and then try and challenge for promotion again the season after. We've not done that. I think the noises coming out of the club have been, this is absolutely a promotion challenge this season, and that's what we're going for. Um, In terms of what I think will happen, I think, pre-season I had us between third and fourth I think is where I had us predicted something like that so for me for what I see I think we're going to be right on the borderline of automatic promotion and you know maybe just sneak in maybe just miss out early season results have been really encouraging it's you know helped my mood no no doubt about that but um whether we can take it all the way I'd expect things to be honest to get better performance wise whether it will be enough to sneak us into the automatics I don't know. But yeah, as you say, it's definitely what we're going for. I'm reasonably confident at the moment. But I mean, next time we meet, things could be a little bit different. I guess it's very early and we'll have to see. So what are we going to be expecting to see from you on Saturday then, Adam? Are you expecting a win at Six Fields? I've just come off the back of recording the Argyle Life podcast, actually. I've predicted a 2-1 win to Argyle. That's based on the fact that, I mean, I think, there are two strong squads here. What I think has happened is that we've, you know, come forward and adapted to the system a lot quicker than I anticipated we would. And I think it's going to be a close game, but I think we'll look to dominate the ball. We'll have the two creative midfielders in place without Sarsovic being there. And, you know, I've got to come into this with a little bit of confidence considering the position we're in. So yeah, I've predicted a win for us, but I wouldn't be that surprised if things weren't all as they seemed. And, and as a as a Plymouth fan, how do you see the Cobblers this season? Do you, in what way do you sort of look at us? Do you look at us yeah. as contenders for promotion or relegation fodder? How, how do you think that we'll be doing? I've definitely thought through what I've seen that you know, in pre-season that you'll be challenging at the right end of the table rather than the wrong end. Um, I think a lot of your sign... I, mean, I know Nicky Adams is a player that we were certainly after and when you got him, I was... I. I can't lie, I was a little disappointed, so I'd rather you didn't do that. But um, <laughs> no, it, in all seriousness, I think it, it's the Cobblers, you know, they could very much be in for a good season. I think the, the start has, in all honesty, from an outsider looking in's perspective, been a little slower than I perhaps anticipated. But as the way I see Northampton in general, yeah, I, I see no reason why you guys can't be challenging at the right end of the table this year. And, you know, maybe our clash later on in the season could be quite decisive at the top end of the table, I guess. We'll wait and see. So there we go. There's Adam Price. Thank you very much. Uh, you can follow Adam uh, on uh, Argyle Life uh, on Twitter, at Argyle Life, if you, if you want to find out what Plymouth actually think uh, of the uh, the game uh, against us at Sixfields on Saturday. Um, I, I think that was a fairly fair assessment. I mean, they obviously are going to come to Sixfields quite confident, and, and why shouldn't they? I think their podcast is probably going to be an hour of laughing. <laughs> what at us afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> also, as well, me and me and Danny were saying this in our little um, our little WhatsApp group, weren't we? I think. Oh, hold on, is this a WhatsApp group between you and Danny and you and Danny alone? Where? What about me and Charles? No, no, you were there. You were just clearly not paying attention. Well, it sounds um, like me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I was saying that one thing I'm quite concerned about about Saturday 
is Plymouth are going to bring a massive following and I think it's really going to intimidate our squad. Just just like what Walsall did, basically, on exactly. the opening day. Exactly, yeah. But like you often revert back to Chessie, which is a very, very fair and valid point, is that they're professional footballers. And they are. They should not be... I think you're right, by the way. I think I think Saturday is a... We're onto a hide into nothing, aren't we? We're probably going to get rinsed by a few goals. But just because a team has an away following, it shouldn't bother them. But I think you're right, you know. I think it will, but and and as you always say, they're professional footballers, and it shouldn't. But it's going to, isn't it? And that's the concern. Yeah. From our side of things, we've not exactly got any anything to go back at them with either. They're away fans, have we? It's quite lethargic. And no, you're right, Danny. We haven't really got anything to go back at them. It's not exactly a raucous atmosphere at Sixfield, is it? It's not. No, and the going back, going back to what you say, Neil. It yeah, they're professional football footballers, and they should not be affected by that kind of pressure, but. You know, at the moment they're underperforming, and therefore their confidence is shot to pieces. I mean, we only had to look at Chris Lyons the other day on that interview, and he looks really fed up. So when he walks out on that field on Saturday, and there's a load of Plymouth Argyle fans who are top of the league having a lovely time, then they're going to think, really? So uh, our all-time record uh, against uh, the Argyle is uh, played 61, won 26, drawn 11, lost 24. So it's a fairly even record i'd say for given our standards that doesn't mean that um well that we're going to actually be fairly equal on saturday i imagine um they have signed five players from berry we won't go into them all but other than that they've uh, made a couple of other signings they've got joe edwards a center midfielder from walsall jose baxter an attacking midfielder from oldham ex oldham ex ex a good player, Jose Baxter. Sort of player we could do. Oh, with. really? Creative, creative attacking force. Yeah, exactly the sort of player we could do do with. Ah, and uh, Alex Palmer, who is a goalkeeper on loan from West Brom. They're probably the uh, the, the bigger signings that didn't come from Berry, anyway. Um, so let's get your predictions, then, guys. We've got a full house this week, all four of us here. Um, so we'll start this week with Danny. Uh, Plymouth Saturday, League Two, Sixfields. We're going to lose, most likely. But last time I said that, we, we won at Swindon. But this time, we're definitely going to lose. We'll lose uh, 4-0. And Ooh. I've got the list of players up here, so I'm just going to find some goal scorers. Just uh, Danny Mayer, he'll obviously score. Ryan <laughs> um, Callum McFadzian, he'll score. And two from uh, Callum Dyson, I think he's going to suck a couple in. Neil, yours now, please. Hello, what are we talking about? What's Your the pr- prediction, please. Prediction for Saturday. I predict a riot for starters. Uh, from, <laughs> Is it a pussy riot? Uh, it's, it's not a pussy oh, riot. No, it's a riot from Dave Cadden and Tom Reed on the hill. Um, <laughs> the actual football result, I predict a 4-1 defeat for Plymouth. And oh, no. oh, hello. <laughs> Definitely. I thought you were going to go for a 2-1 win. Isn't it a 2-1 win? Isn't that where we're meant to be up to with your uh, prediction? No, that's failed. So I'm trying to mix it up a little oh. bit, Charles. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so 4-1 victory for Cobblers. Um, yeah. A hat-trick from Harry Smith. <laughs> yeah. And a consolation goal for Plymouth to make it 3-1. Yeah. And then... A last-minute injury time goal from. Don't don't do it. Sam Hoskins. Oh, I knew it. Oh, no. Uh, right. Well, I will try and bring us all back down to earth with a bump. I'm going for a. I'm going for a two-one defeat. You um, bloody charlatan! Come on, have some yeah. confidence in the lad. Ugh. <laughs> 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 Two one defeat and um, getting our goal will be Christian Lee. Um, <laughs> Christian Lee. If only that. Do you know what? Do you know what? If only. If only. Um, if if only. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this this moment in time. Yeah, uh, we'll get a we'll get a, a, a consolation goal from Andy Williams. That'll be mine. Uh, Chelsea have a consolation goal at two one. Is that count? Well, if they're 2-0 up and then we get, with on, us, yeah. we get one, that'll be a consolation, won't it? <laughs> I'd, say if, I'd, say if it's, I'd say if it's 2-0 and we score one, then we're back in the game. We wouldn't say it's a consolation. We haven't, we haven't scored more than one all season. Oh, that's depressing. Isn't it? Chessie? Well, I'm going to depress us a little bit more, unfortunately. Um, I'd love to... 
<laughs> I'd love to say I think uh, we're going to win, but I, and I haven't predicted a win yet. I mean, I can't see us. I can't see us coming away with less than a three-goal hammering, to be honest. And I think that uh, Danny Mayer, in particular, is going to run riot. To be fair, he he did against us when we played Barry last season at, at Gig Lane. What position he? does he play? He's like the number ten role, isn't he? Oh God, we're screwed. Basically, what we should have, but we don't have. All right, okay. Uh, I'm going to revise my prediction. Four-one um, <laughs> to them. <laughs> 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 oh dear! Oh, it's so it's, it started off so well. No, it didn't actually, did it? We yeah, really, really. doom and gloom from the word go. Uh, well, I'll put an end to it now. Let's put ourselves out of this misery. That's going to be it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Obviously, two home games for you to enjoy. 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 Probably right, Jesse. Yes. Um, Arsenal under twenty threes tomorrow night or tonight, as you might listening uh, and and then Plymouth of course uh, home on Saturday um, thank you very much for listening and as usual do keep your thoughts coming in via Twitter and Facebook uh, we love reading them we love getting uh, your positive messages of support for the boys <laughs> it is a fair point because we do get a lot of thoughts don't we and it's it, and it is good to read them because it does give does does give some balance doesn't it because we we probably fall into the trap a little bit of I'm pretty negative about all things cobblers at the moment and that probably reverberates a little bit we're all negative about thing, all things cobblers at the minute so it is nice to get those 1 in 10 positive thoughts that we get we'll see you next week thank you very much for joining us bye Ash bye Keith bye Ash bye Junior Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.